scares me. speaker this morning, you probably weren't thinking we were going to start off with Indiana Jones, right? Because I'm really more of a Hallmark movie girl, and I'll just tell you that. Well, as I was preparing this week, I happened to glance up on, on my wall was a picture of um, my husband BG and I as we actually did the Indiana Jones for a Father's Day thing in 2009. And um, I, will, I will always remember this because um, the lady had put a picture. I did not have that picture. I looked through everything. I did not have the picture of BG and I actually doing it. And she, here she had it. And so I, I sent her a text by any chance. Do you still have that picture? And she's like, sure, I, I, let me look. And then she said, I can't believe I found it, but I found it was 2009, BG and I were actually, he was Indiana Jones and I was his sidekick. And um, I will tell you that um, when Pastor Matt came in, at that time Pastor Matt was our music and drama person, and he had this way about him. He'd come into my office, he'd sit down and he'd say, I love you so much. And I'd be like, what do you want? <laughs> You know I wouldn't do that. I, I just want to tell you how much I love you. What do you want? And usually it was he was going to have me do something completely out of my comfort zone because you might not know this about me, but I'm not the drama person. And over the years, I was thinking as, we were, as I was getting ready to come out, it will be 28 years in September that I have done silly, goofy things that he has come in and talked me into. And um, Indiana Jones was kind of one of those. I'm like, okay, so I show up the day of the taping, and um, I'm in my, my outfit, and we do scene one. So, okay, so what you need to know, if you've never been part of something like this, you hurry up and wait the whole time. And so, like, we're hurrying up, and then it takes forever. And then we'll go to the next scene. But it was scene two, I think, or three, that they said, okay, we're gonna go downstairs. Well, many of you've probably been on the lower level, if you've taken the journey, some meetings downstairs, you've been on the lower level, but if you go through one of the doors on the lower level, you actually go down a few steps and you're in the boiler room. Now, I had been in the boiler room once, I think, when we first were looking at this building, BG took me through, and I was not impressed. It's kind of scary down there. There's all kinds of nooks and crannies, and it's not very well lit, and I just don't like it. So they, they took me down there, and they said, we came to this 
cylinder kind of thing. And they said to me, what, I'm, what we're going to need you to do is climb in there. You're going to need me to climb in there. Yes, we're going to have to shut you in. Shut me in. We're going to need to shut you in, and then he'll come rescue you. Oh, dear Jesus. <laughs> oh, dear Jesus. So I started quoting the scripture that's at the top of your notes. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And I would like to tell you that I'm a little bit claustrophobic. And so when I got in, there was room for me to sit, but like the cylinder literally is right in, you know, the wall of it is right in front of me. Don't worry, Brenda, because we'll get the scene done real quick. Well, real quick was not quick enough. Like I, I just kept thinking, dear Jesus, please help me not just panic and freak out in here. And so we finally got it done and I thought that's gotta be the worst of the day. Don't worry, there was more. Um, we did an easy scene after that, and then they took us down. I don't even know how to even get there. I never wanted to go there again. But there is a place that is kind of, I guess it would be like a crawl space. We have, we have a lower level all the way around, but there's a spot, space where you actually, first of all, you go down a ladder that is attached to the wall, so the little rungs. So I'm like... They said, don't worry, Brenda, we'll be here. I thought, oh, great, that'll be great if I fall and then land on somebody. But, okay, they got me down in there. And then you actually kind of go under the building. So, like, there is leaves and twigs. And, and if you saw me my Facebook Live thing this week, you may have noticed that I don't like mice, at, like freak out at mice. And so partway as I got down there, I thought, oh, dear Jesus, if there is a mouse here, please do not let me see it because I might have to call for my, my understudy. Uh, do I have an understudy? Oh, my my uh, person that's going to do the, all the dramatic stuff in this because I had no one to call. But it just seemed like a good thing to say, I'm not going to do this if we see a mouse. I'm so thankful we didn't. And I was so glad to get out of there. So a couple weeks go by. It's Father's Day. We were, I'm in for service, and I'm, I'm watching the video. Huh. And I thought, okay, okay, I probably, I'll see it next service. So I come in second service, and I watch it. And you guys, the two scenes that were freaking me out on the cutting floor, that nobody ever saw them. And I, I thought, oh, I want to go talk to the video guy right now. But I didn't because it's Father's Day and we have a lot going on. But on Tuesday morning when I came in, I went down there and I'm like, where are those scenes at? He said, well, we just didn't have time for it all. And I'm like, I know, but I was so scared. And you took those out. Nobody is ever going to see them. He said, well, that's just kind of how it is when you're doing a drama. Oh, gosh. And I thought, you know what? In life... Sometimes you have to do what I did. I did it afraid, you guys. I was, there was a couple times that I just thought, dear Jesus, am I going to make it through this? Because of all they were asking me to do. But life can be like that. It, seem, it can seem like you, you can't figure out how you're going to do it. And sometimes you're going to have to do it afraid. And, and today we're going to be talking about Gideon. Last week we talked about the first part of his story. 
And this week we're gonna actually get into the really exciting stuff that he did. But let me kind of give you a recap in case you weren't here or bring you up to speed. The Israelites were in trouble again. Doesn't it seem like the Israelites are always in trouble? They are either incredibly blessed or they are in real trouble. But God loves them so much, he always helps them. In the midst of it, sometimes it seems like, really? God's going to rescue them again after all they've done? But isn't it funny that in our own life, when we mess up, and sometimes we mess up again, and then sometimes we mess up again, we are always thankful that God is rich in mercy and grace, and when we ask for forgiveness, he gives it to us. But I want to tell you that we're not always as kind and gracious to other people. Because not only do we look at the Israelites and say, why don't you get your act together? Sometimes we can look at other people and say, why don't you get your act together? I mean, really. But we have to realize that just like the Israelites sinned, just like maybe your neighbor sinned or someone else you know, and we do too, because sin is sin, right? And when you're not doing what God wants you to do for all of us, we have to be in that place where we come back and say, God, forgive us. And help us not judge from the outside what somebody's inside is doing, right? Well, it had been a long seven years at this point for the Israelites. The Midianites had come in, had overtaken them. They, they were living in, in caves and clefts, and they were on the run all the time. They, they had to just barely survive on the little bit of food they could get. And it is at that time that God comes and says to Gideon, oh, man, oh mighty man of valor. Oh, mighty man of valor. He's hiding. He's hiding then in the wine press, hiding, trying to get to some food together for his family. He is hiding, yet God sees something in him that he does not see in himself. Isn't that kind of how we are, though? So often, you know, so, sometimes you can even see it in someone else. Oh, they have that potential. Oh, I can see them do that. But a lot of times, looking on the inside, we don't think anywhere, anyway, we can do it. And God looks at you and says, you can do more than you're already doing because you just need to trust me more. And God says, Almighty oh, man of valor, to the guy that is hiding. And Gideon says, um, I think you've got the wrong guy. Like, you must be talking to somebody else. It can't be me. I'm not a mighty man of valor because valor means courage, and I'm hiding. I'm not the courageous guy that you want me to be. And God says, you are. And Gideon says, wait, wait, wait. What you need to know is who I am. See, I'm part of a clan in Medessa, and, and we're the weakest of them all. And here's what you need to know about me. In my family, oh, in my, in my, my family, I'm the least by far of them all. As a matter of fact, one version said, I'm the runt of the bunch. I... I Gideon did not think well of himself, but God saw way more in him, didn't he? And so he tells Gideon, what I need you to do is I need you to go and I need you to tear down the, the place that they worship Baal, the altar. And so the man of courage and valor decided to do it at night because he was scared and took some guys with him, but he did it. He did it. He followed what God said. And, and 
And let me tell you, it was an act of courage because people, all his neighbors, all the community, they worshiped that idol. And when they found out who had torn it down, they came ready to get him. And they asked his daddy, who is in charge of the, where they worship, to send him out. They're going to get him. And his daddy used wisdom and said, well, if Baal is our God, he will take care of it. Wow. And because of that, because of what happened there, they, they changed Gideon's name to Jerubal, and meaning let Baal contend with him. And I'd like to say I kind of like Gideon better personally, but, um, you know, it, it, names were very important back then. Now, what we need to know is that's what chapter 6 is, and chapter 6 is getting us ready for chapter 7. Do you know in your own life, sometimes it, chapter 6 seems long, chapter 6 seems hard, it doesn't seem like you're making any progress, and, but don't worry because chapter seven's coming and God's got something for you to do. Now, what happens at the end of 6 is he, Gideon blows a horn because God says, get them all together. We're going to get these Midianites. And he, sa- he blows a horn. He sends messengers out. He gathers all the people. And we find when we look in Judges 7, verse 2, that he's assembled the troops. It's, it says this, the Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. And I want to tell you that at the very beginning, when there was 22,000 it, it says further in some further verses that they were 135,000 Midianites. 22,000 to 135,000. The ratio is one to six at that point. And God says, oh no, send those who are afraid home. And 12,000 left. That puts them at 10,000. They are losing people right and left, right? But look what God says in verse four. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And any one of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And any of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down, down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set by yourself. Likewise, everyone who, who kneels down to drink... And the number of those who lapped, put their hands to their their mouths, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go every man to his home. Wait, 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 wait. God just took it down to 300. 300 to 135,000. That's approximately... One to every 450 men. 300? I'm sure in the inside, Gideon's like, really? Are you sure you got this right, God? Like 300? 135,000? It just doesn't make sense. You know, last week I I shared with you a little bit about uh, my story with BG and I as we went into ministry. We went to first to Jacksonville 
um, to be the youth pastors. They had no youth, but they needed youth, so they got a youth pastor. And uh, we went there for $60 a week. And BG kind of did a side job, but it was sales, so sometimes he made money, sometimes he didn't. And he only did it, it was just a side job, so he didn't have a lot of time to work at it. But I remember sitting in the service, and I will tell you, the tithe of $60 is six, 10%. And I was there every week with my $6. Or, and if you made any money on the side, we, we would tithe on that. Do you know why? Because there was no way we were going to make it. I had to trust God every single time to make sure that he was somehow miraculously going to provide for our family because there was no way that we were going to. And, you know, I know that we could have applied for assistance and stuff. We did not feel like we were supposed to do that because we knew God had called us to do this, and if God had called us, he was going to take care of us. And then, don't you think sometimes when you have some trials and it's kind of hard that you think, okay, God, uh, looking back, I, I can tell we learned a lot, so that, that'll be great. I've got that. And then God had us go to Grace Lake. We were the lead pastors, and at that church, that meant you were the only ones. And um, they had no building. They had been going for seven years. They were in the red. They had no money and weren't sure how they were going to pay us. Oh, you can see people were flocking to get there, right? Just wanting to go. And we were, I remember we went and met with them, and BG came out in the car, and he's like, oh, gosh. Oh, gosh, this is such a mess. Surely not, God. Surely not. Yet that's where God sent us again. And you know what? I thought, I, I remember one time saying to God, um, I think we've learned this lesson already. Like we know, we know what it's like to have to trust you for money. Yet God, looking back, I can see God's hand and how we had to get so close to him and trust him for everything we needed. Because you know what? Some, a lot of times the trials you are going through God is making it so you're ready for the next chapter. And so often we get so stuck, we're like, God, I, don't, I just don't understand. I'm just frustrated. I don't understand. Wait, God is getting ready for the next chapter. Because number one, when I'm afraid I don't have enough, I will remember God has more than enough. He has more than enough. Judges 2 verse 9 says, That same night the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it to your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant. Now, I'm going to stop right here and tell you that I'm pretty sure he's afraid. He has 300 compared to 135,000. I don't think it's a question. I'm sure he's afraid. Even though he knows God is going to help him, he's afraid. But look at verse 11. And you shall hear what they say, and afterwards your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Purah, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valleys like locusts in abundance, and their camels were without number, and as the sand that is in the seashore in abundance. When Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. And he said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of the Midian and came to the tent and struck it so it fell and turned it upside down. So then the, the tent lay flat, and his comrade answered, This is no other than the, swore, the sword of Gideon, the son of Joas. 
a man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. They knew his name. How did they know his name? My goodness, he was a guy that was in hiding. How did they know his name? I just believe God revealed his name. That he was going to be the one and he needed to be encouraged that what he was going to do, God was going to be there. Because he did not have that courage in himself, but God was helping him build that courage for what he had had for him. Look at verse 15. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets in their hands for all of them and empty jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. Okay, wait, we are... We are 300 against 135,000, and our leader has just come up with the great plan of trumpets in one hand, an empty jar with a torch in the other. That's how, that's the plan? I mean, surely, even though you know God's going to see you through, doesn't it seem like sometimes when he tells you something that doesn't make sense, you're like, really? Really, that's how you're going to do this? Like, okay, okay. Because, number two, when I'm afraid, I will choose to trust God. Sometimes you just have to choose you're going to trust. You don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. But do you know God does not do things the way that you think they should be done? Because his ways are higher. And what does he say all the way through this? He is doing it so that the Israelites never can say it was them that, that won. And in our lives, there are trials that you're going to come through and you're going to look back and say, oh my gosh, look at the hand of God. Look at how he's kept us. Look at how he, what he has done. Judges uh, chapter, 19, or chapter 7, verse 19. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when it, was when it had just set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. And then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hands the torches, in their right hands the trumpets to blow, and they cried out, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled, and when they blew 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. Now, we need to know that um, the middle watch would have been the middle of the night. They had people that would stay awake to guard the camps. And so the first watch started at 8 p.m. and then the second, midnight. So the middle would be midnight. And so they are attacking at midnight. You have to know it's got to be pretty dark. I mean, there may be things in the camp, but they're the the... 300 are not bringing, they haven't got their torches lit yet. And they go to surround. And what I realized is if 300 are surrounding 135,000, you are not able to even see the guy that is with you. You know, sometimes it's easier in numbers. You know how it is. You know, if, you're, if you are struggling, maybe your friend is stronger at that time and they're encouraging you and, and you know... But to be by yourself. He divided them into groups of a hundred and said, 
we are going to surround. So they are standing there waiting with their trumpet, their jar, the torch that they're going to light in just a moment. And I want to tell you, I'm guessing they're scared. Even though out of all of them, they've had more courage. But how many of you know when you're standing there and you don't know if it's going to work, even though God said you're just still in faith with knees knocking. And what I noticed about them is in the midst of it all, they stood in their place. Did you catch that? Because after they yell it out, chaos starts to happen with the army of the Midianites. And I'm guessing at one point, especially at first, I bet they want to run. The 300 just want to get out of there because what if they can see the chaos, they can see swords are flying and they're, they're actually attacking themselves, but at some point they're thinking, some of them are going to start running, they could take me out. But they stood. They stood because they knew God said stand. And in your own life, there are going to be times that you're just going to have to stand. You're going to have to stand on what the Word of God says. It doesn't matter what is happening. You have to stand and say, I believe God's going to rescue me. I believe he's taking care of the battle. Look at John 14, 27 in your notes. It says, peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Listen to what it says here. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. Let God's perfect peace calm you. You know, even as we started this morning, I'm sure there's some that have come in and you are struggling with life. And I want you to grab hold of that and say, I'm going to have God's perfect peace. God, give me peace in the midst of what I'm going through. Help me have calm. Help me be courageous knowing that you're going to see me through because you have given me strength for the battle. Number three, when I'm afraid, I will remember nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing, nothing. You know, I, I was um, listening to, to somebody talk this week um, through a podcast, and they said um, there was a Gallup poll. Have you ever wondered sometimes when they say, well, we have a Gallup poll, and this is what the results were, and you wonder, where do they get these people, right? <laughs> where do they get them? This was not done by a Christian group. This was just a random survey that they decided to do. And they, they chose people that said they go to church. Not that I don't know where they are in their faith walk, but they go to church. And here's what they said. Three out of ten that go to church, that, have, that, that go to church, do not believe what the Bible says. No, I'm sorry. Three out of 10 believe what the Bible says. Only three out of 10 believe what this Bible says. And I would just like to say, oh my goodness. Because to know God and to trust Jesus and be led by God, the Holy Spirit in your life, you're going to need this book. 
you're going to need this book. And if you've not started reading this book, just go to the New Testament and start reading. See what Jesus did. Read the miraculous things. And you know, um, I remember years and years ago as I was growing up, well, well before I made a decision for Christ, you know, I, I don't know if somebody told me this or I just thought this, but it was, this is the Holy Bible, the Holy Bible. And so you just don't want to do anything to the Holy Bible. And so like, I, I, I was always scared that I put books. One time I came home and just freaked out because I had said a bunch of books on my Holy Bible. And I realized that, that that word holy had gotten to be such a big thing that I just, it was such a precious book, but I didn't know what was in it. I, I just thought it was holy. It's not holy that you can't do anything to it. As a matter of fact, I many times will underline things and or maybe write a little something by it because it should be your handbook for life. Not, not the Holy Bible that you don't do anything with. It should be something that you go to when life gets difficult or when it's good, right? right? Because the good is also getting you ready for stuff, right? When I think of the story of Gideon, I realize over and over and over that Gideon was a man of valor, but he wasn't without fear. Because do you know what? It is possible to believe God and trust him, but still have a little fear going on. You know, I, uh, like I said, this verse on fear that was at the top of your notes, for God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That I memorized that when I was a teenager, but I will tell you that I have used that verse over and over and over in my life. See, I quoted that verse when I was sitting in the waiting room waiting for test results that I'm not sure were kind of scary, waiting to hear what they had to say. Um, I've quoted that verse when I was getting ready to open bills that I wasn't sure if I could pay. I've quoted that verse when I was concerned and worried about my kids. And I quoted that verse when I just wanted to remember that God had not given me the fear that I was feeling and that I had the assurance that no matter what, that he was going to see me through. Looking at your notes, I gave you the amplified version of this verse. I just like some of the things it said. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or cowardness or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. And do you know what? The enemy wants to get you feeling like life is in chaos. He wants you to fear, fear to be, be fearful of everything around the next corner. He wants you to be scared that you're never going to make it. He is the author that's giving you the fear, but you just have to remember there is a God who's bigger. And you may still kind of feel that fear, but you just keep saying that verse. God has not given me this. He's given me the power and the sound judgment. And, and I love what it says, abilities that result in calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. Because sometimes when you're fear, you don't always make 
wise decisions. Sometimes when you are so caught up in fear, you don't have sound judgment. Sometimes you don't have self-control because you're in fear. Yet God said you can, and you do. You just have to grab hold of it in the midst of it. I, uh, a couple weeks ago was my birthday, and I had lunch with um, a couple of my friends. And, um, you know, sometimes when people, when you get a gift, you know, and, and somebody gives you a card, you just kind of glance at it, especially if you're with people, and you'll figure, well, I'll, I'll actually look at what it says later. And um, my, one of my friends had written in this card, um, and the one word, I wasn't even sure exactly what it was. The, the, you know, the restaurant was a little bit darker, and I thought, oh, I'll just read that when I get home. So here's what she put. What you need to know about this friend is um, she is a go-getter. Like, she is one that is always encouraging me to go further than what I'm doing. Um, I, I want to tell you, I, I like comfortable I, I'm kind of that personality. I like things to go smooth. I Sometimes I just like that, that place of, oh, it's good. And, you know, I'll just stay here. I just stay here. But listen to what she wrote. Um, she said, happy year. Ha- have a happy year, dear friend. Hope it scares you to death and brings you great joy. And, uh, and you know, um, the, the fear, the, the part of being scared that she was talking about isn't that she wants me to go through a trial or anything, but what she's saying is, Brenda, don't settle. Don't get so comfortable at, with what you know to do that you're not trusting God for the next step. Don't, don't get um, in that place of comfort and, and say, well, I'm not going to talk to my neighbors or, my, or, or people at work about Jesus because I'm just not comfortable doing that. Well, God didn't say, just live this life in comfort. He said, tell people about Jesus because they need it. Sometimes we got to look back at what what we were before we became a Christian, before somebody told us the good news. Remember, it's good news. And sometimes people are just waiting to hear what God has done in your life. And that, for a lot of people, that means going out, stepping out of your comfort zone. Maybe God wants you to, to uh, uh, go higher in your company and he wants you to just go ahead and apply for something and you, you're like, yeah, but I'm comfortable. I know this job. I can do this job. I can come in and get it done. And God is saying, yeah, I know you can, but I've got more for you. So today I just want to say, what is he saying to you? Is he saying, come out of my, your comfort zone? And maybe do something that makes you feel like, if God doesn't help me, I don't know if I'll be able to do it. But you know deep down on the inside of you that he is saying, go ahead and step forward. I want to challenge you today. Sometimes you have to do it afraid, especially that first step. Especially that first step. Because God, if he's put it on your heart, is going to be there every step of the way. He's going to say, I'm right here. Don't you worry about it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. I, God, we are all sinners that are saved by grace, and we are so thankful for it. Let us never get to the place where we're judgmental about anyone else without looking at ourselves as well. And God, we are so thankful that you are a God of mercy and grace. God, help us. 
to trust you more. It's so easy. It's so easy to to slide into that I want to be comfortable place. But help us all to take a step forward. Maybe a step that we're just not sure about, but we know deep on the inside of us that you have put that in our heart. And God, I'm praying today that there's people in here that that have have a call on their life for something special. Whether it's a ministry or it's a, a, a different area of work or it's uh, being a light in your neighborhood, whatever it is, God, that you placed in their heart, I pray you'll bring it to their remembrance and they will know that you place that in them for them to trust you more. And God, I pray for all the rest of us that maybe maybe God has, you're, you're just kind of gotten that comfortable spot and, and you're just not sure what the next step should be. God, help us to to be open to what you would have for each of us to do. Help us to reach out and touch somebody and, and, and be kind and loving and do something beyond ourselves. Whatever that may be, maybe we will show kindness in such a way that people will want to know about you. Help us just to live our life a little scared because we know God wants us to do more than we could ever ask or think. And he wants to do it so he gets the glory and not us. And help us to be willing vessels to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today I want to tell you that um, I want to always, at this time of the service, I always want to give people an opportunity to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You know, it was the best decision I've ever made. And it's so easy. Sometimes you think it should be hard, but it's so easy. It's just asking him in. So let's just take another minute. We're going to pray. And if you will repeat after me, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you because I need you. I admit that I have sinned. And I ask you to forgive me of every sin. Lord Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord, be my Savior, be my King. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, if you made that decision today, and you it's like your first time to do it, or maybe it's the first time you really meant it. You might have repeated that prayer, but you've just really meant it in your heart. We'd love to help you to take the next step. So what we'd like to ask you to do is, is all you have to do is text the word heaven to 41411. Heaven to 41411. And, and there will be some additional helps that will help you as you begin your walk with Jesus. Because you will realize that July 7th, 2019, if this is the day that you made that commitment to Christ, will be a day you will always remember because what a great decision you made today. And I just want to say congratulations to you. We are so thrilled for you. Well, I just want to thank you for being here today, being so attentive. And, and wasn't it fun to listen to the story about Gideon and sometimes catching some things that we can use in our own life. I just pray that you have a great week. Hope to see you back here next Sunday. God bless you.